in the entertainment capital of the world. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers with a walk-off touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Play action, awesome time, deep shot for Parker. to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh, my goodness, the legend just goes on. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? 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 And a good Friday to you. It is the T.C. Martin Show live from the cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, the heart of the world-famous Las Vegas trip. And no better place to be on this Friday, the weekend, or any day for that matter, as we are get ready for championship weekend in the National Football League. That's right, AFC, NFC championship games. Coming up on Sunday, we will break it all down to you today. Double B, Brian Benowitz, our gracious host, and our guru here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, and the man who's been on fire in the NFL as well. What is happening, brother? Well, I slipped up a little bit last weekend, but uh, you know I'm I'm ready for this 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 weekend here. Uh, championship Sunday should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to yeah. it. Ballpark Frank in the house, aka VGK Frank. Yeah, we'll get in a little hockey today as well too. But it is a football Friday, and it is one of the most exciting weekends that we have of the year. Was we have the final four teams. And then uh, come Sunday afternoon or early Sunday evening, we will find out who will be playing the Super Bowl in Tampa, Florida on February the 7th. Ballpark, what is going on, my friend? Well, you know, just another Sunday, getting ready for, like you mentioned, the uh, Football Conference Championship Series to see who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl. Got a big UFC card this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, basketball, hockey, lots of sports going on. So definitely looking to, uh, to, to, to a big weekend of sports activities. We'll see how it all plays out. Looking forward to it. Okay, you mentioned uh, UFC 257, a huge fight card. Obviously not here in Las Vegas, but we'll be at Fight Island. And uh, we'll be covering that for you as well, too. Conor McGregor gets his way back into the octagon. First time in more than a year against Dustin Poirier. So we'll preview that matchup. And uh, our very good friend, Matthew Holt, will be joining us today. And uh, I know, Brian, you love having Matt on the program because not only is Matt our UFC guru, our sportsbook guru, but uh, love breaking down football and, of course, always involved in our best bets. You can catch out his best bets and everyone else part of the crew at tcmartinshow.com. But uh, I know what you love best about Matthew Holt. Matt, Matt Holt's ability to break down a game passionately <laughs> on either side is, is fascinating because I can, I can pick one side. He can give you both sides, and then you're left a little confused. But he's, uh, he's a fantastic guy and a great handicapper, so it's nice to have him on. Great to have him part of the show, as always, part of our team here as well, too. So, yeah, we'll preview uh, UFC 257 a little bit later on. And then, of course, uh, Mike Pritchard is going to join us as well today uh, via the phone. Of course, uh, Pritch, uh, the former wide receiver himself, a longtime uh, radio colleague here in Las Vegas, and he will give us his prediction on the AFC and NFC Championship games as well. All right. want to start the show, obviously, with uh, some very, very sad news. We woke up this morning hearing about the death of the legendary Hank Aaron. He died at the age of 86. And I don't know about you guys, but, uh, you know, we're all pretty much around the same age, and we can remember, you know, Hank Aaron while we were growing up, uh, what he meant to the game of baseball, and I'll just say it, and I really mean it. And I, I, I try not to throw you know, um, titles, kudos, that sort of thing prematurely, but I, I, before I w- wanted to say anything today or make any posts, I really wanted to think about this, and, and I really mean it. I mean, I believe myself he is the greatest baseball player of all time. The stats can back that up, but just him playing in an era which was not comfortable for a man who was black playing in the South uh, under those times, some turbulent times, a guy who was chasing Babe Ruth's record. There were a lot of people that did not want him to break it. Uh, Let's be honest, a lot of white people didn't want him to break it. A lot of baseball historians didn't. And Hank Aaron uh, persevered through the toughest times. Um, of course, you guys know my relationship, obviously, with Dusty Baker, who was a teammate of Hank Aaron, and the stories that I have heard from those guys regarding those times, uh, especially the late 60s, 
throughout the 70s. Uh, it was a very, very tough, tough thing for a black baseball player to go through, even though the color barrier was, you know, broken nearly 30 years prior with Jackie Robinson. But, uh, yeah, Hank Aaron for me, just the greatest baseball player of all time. Well, he grew up in, in the Mobile Bay. Mm -hmm. and uh, I, I've, You know that I, area. When I was down there, I would go see the Mobile Bay Bears play as well. Uh, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia, T.C., and I was there when he broke uh, Babe Ruth's record. Mm -hmm. uh, April 8, 1974, my brother, it's his absolute idol. And uh, he talks about him fondly. We, we talk about Hank Aaron Day every year. We send a note first thing in the morning. My dad and my brother and I would, would, would get up and chat about it. So uh, it was very special, uh, Hank Aaron. He got to meet him a few times at these uh, card shows, got him to sign the ticket and whatnot. And he was a gentleman all the time and an ambassador for the game. Um, you could argue that he is one of the, for sure the best right fielder that's ever played. Uh, he came up in a very turbulent time. Uh, read a lot about him today uh, after his passing. Uh, came into the league in 1958 mm -hmm. uh, with Milwaukee at the time uh, and and used Jackie Robinson uh, to help influence his career and whatnot. Um, he was a, a gentleman and he, he, he persevered through some very hard times and he is the home run king. Um, yes. You know, my brother and I discussed that, hey, wouldn't it be neat to go see Bonds break Hank Karen's record? And then we said, well, that's never really going to be acknowledged as a record. You know, yes, he hit the home runs, but it's just it's 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 fraudulent with the with the steroids that he put into himself and all that stuff and the human growth hormones. So uh, a sad day. He, he lived a very good life at, at 86. Um, what was amazing is after he did break the record, a lot of that went away, even in the south when it came to, uh, 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 you know, Babe Ruth and where he was. It was, hey, this is the man and he's done it. And, uh, you know, uh, you could just play tribute to him because he's a great great person in the world of sports yeah I, um, I remember Hank Aaron I uh, was fortunate enough to see him play a game at Wrigley Field towards the end of his career I believe he hit a 713th home run at Wrigley Field actually just before of course he hit 714 and then 715 like Brian mentioned off L Downing on that uh, April late day in 74 I believe it was a Monday night because they were showing a regular season Major League Baseball game in prime time which was kind of unheard of back then but but he was there and he hit that home run Tom House caught it you know a lot of fans were in that left field stands hoping that they would get that ball but didn't quite make it there but he immediately brought it into the dugout and he said it was the first time that he saw Hank Aaron cry uh, you mentioned the tribulation and the turmoil that he went through and that I was uh, listening to some stuff today they said that he would get up to 3,000 hate mail letters a day yes a day death threats and all sorts of other things that he persevered he broke the record I agree with uh, both of you guys uh, to me he will always be the home run king because he did do it the right way as a child I was a Willie Mays fan a little bit more there was always that friendly rivalry about who was the best one I think Willie Mays had a little bit more flair and being out on the out in the you know LA area even though he played for San Francisco with Leo DeRocher and everything and he was in different TV shows and things so he was maybe a little bit flashier but yeah Hank Aaron was steady right around that 40 home run mark every year all-time leader in RBIs even to this day so just an absolute uh, icon of baseball and we can always argue about who's the goat and this and that was it Aaron was it Mays was it somebody else well if he's not the greatest of all time he's certainly in a class with a very very small list of people out there and um, just uh, a sad day but again a day to kind of celebrate too everything that he did and everything he went through they said that even to this day when he would meet younger players and that from the Dominican or other places he'd say look if you're facing some racial problems or people are chanting stuff to you just ride it out it's gonna get better don't worry about it be true to yourself and do what you need to do because you know him and Jackie Robinson were really kind of the pioneers yeah there were other ones like Larry Doby and people like that as well but nobody even Jackie Robinson didn't go through all the hatred and everything else that Hank Aaron did and kept on performing at that type of level so uh, just an amazing uh, ball player and uh, a day to remember him and uh, a player that will certainly never be forgotten and not to mention just from a pure baseball standpoint uh, that wasn't a murderer's lineup, right? Right. Uh, so he was getting the best or getting pitched around a lot and still producing. It wasn't like you were going up against the Yankees or the Reds or, or teams like that that could produce. He was the man that they knew would hit the home run. He had a beautiful home run swing. And even the, the, the one that he knocked it out to, to go to 715, I've seen it, I don't know, a thousand times on TV. And it's just, a, it's just a wonderful thing to see. It's just a beautiful, powerful swing by a man that could go up there and do it. And uh, uh, if he was in 
you know, playing for New York, he probably could have hit 850 home right. runs because they couldn't pitch around him the way they could against uh, that Atlanta team. And, and, and like you said, he, he wasn't on some great teams, some great no. Braves teams. And uh, I remember, you know, Dusty would bat after, you know, Hank Aaron. And one of the reasons why Dusty was elated to get <laughs> traded to the Dodgers was he goes, finally, I can be on a contender now. I can be on a good team. But uh, had some great memories, obviously, with Hank Aaron. And uh, Hank Aaron was was Dusty's mentor. I mean, you know, here's this young guy from Sacramento, and Hank Aaron took him under his wing. I mean, just to, just imagine that. And, uh, again, uh, you guys have seen pictures of the baseball that I have and, uh, signed by Hank Aaron, and that is probably – my most prized treasure. I've never been a big autograph, you know, hound or that sort of thing. I'm probably like you guys. I know, you know, Frank collecting the baseball cards when you were a kid and all like that. I did tons and tons of that kind of stuff. But uh, probably for me, a Willie Mays autograph picture that I got when I was a kid and as an adult when I got a autographed Hank Aaron baseball by him uh, to this day, the most prized uh, sports memorabilia treasure that I have. Yeah, you know, I'm not an autograph guy myself. Right. I, I've got a Muhammad Ali, uh, a Hank Aaron, uh, a John Wooden, hmm. you know, things like that, yeah. a Wayne Gretzky, you know, but uh, I'm not one that, that goes and seeks this out. Uh, uh, but my brother always did. He always went out and uh, he has the ticket stubs all signed by Hank Aaron. Uh, and he said he was just always a gentleman to speak with. And, you know, I never met the man, but uh, there's never been one bad thing that I've ever heard said about him. So. Well, and he was an ambassador to Major League Baseball as well, too. It wasn't just what he did on the field. I mean, this guy, again, immediately elected into the Hall of Fame when he was eligible and continued to be around, you know, baseball. You would see him at Braves functions, even uh, Brewers functions. I would see him in Milwaukee because you got to remember, you know, yeah. the Braves and the Brewers. I mean, that, those were his teams. And, uh, again, just World Series, we'd see him, and uh, he, was, he was still in the public eye up until his death yep. at the age of 86, which – happened today here's a yeah and, and when you talk about him being a mentor too it wasn't you like you said he was a mentor to dusty but he was a mentor to so many young players and even players that weren't with the braves or the brewers when he would meet younger players and that he continued to be a mentor an ambassador and he was really you know he, he he wanted to be one of those first black owners and operational guys and in the front office and that too because he knew that it went beyond the field and he wanted equal opportunity and chances for people throughout all of baseball and all of sports and you know that's one of the things that maybe some people don't know as much about him that you know when his career ended with the 755 home runs his meaning and what he did for and to the game was far from over here's a statement from uh, terry mcguirk the atlanta braves chairman today we are absolutely devastated by the passing of our beloved hank he was a beacon for our organization, first as a player, then with player development, and always with our community efforts. His incredible talent and resolve helped him achieve the highest accomplishments, yet he never lost his humble nature. Henry Louis Aaron wasn't just our icon, but one across Major League Baseball and around the world. His success on the diamond was matched only by his business accomplishments on and off the field. We are heartbroken and thinking of his wife, Billy, and their children. Uh, Gail, Hank Jr., Larry, Dorinda, and Cece, and his grandchildren. That's from the Braves chairman, Terry McGuirk. Uh, well, very very that, nicely. That, that, says, that says it all. You know, rest in peace, Hammer and Hank, and yes. uh, his legacy will live on. You know, what? when you talk about Hank Aaron, the home runs, here's the thing that has always stood out for me about Hank Aaron, some of these other stats. And the one, we can talk about the home runs, 755, uh, career batting average for a power hitter was 305. Yep. Think about that. I mean, again, that puts it over the top for me as far as being the greatest of all time because as we know, you don't see power hitters that have career averages over 300. 2,297 RBIs, 3,771 hits. But here's the one that really gets it for me. I don't know if this will ever, well, I know it will never be broken. 25-time All-Star. Yeah. Who do you know has been a 25-time All-Star <laughs> owing a career that spanned for 20 years? Yeah, 25-time well, All-Star. How many players are going to play for 25 years now? That's a quarter of a century. That's a long but that time. that stat <laughs> is the one that just has always stood out for me. Yeah. I mean, we hear some guys, a 10-time All-Star. I mean, 14, 15, you rarely hear that. 25? Are you kidding me? That was Hammer and Hank Aaron. 
Well, another thing that did stand out, one of those stats that you mentioned there, the RBIs that he had. You guys have already talked about how he wasn't always on the best teams out there. There were some pretty good teams with the Milwaukee Braves before they moved down to Atlanta. But it shows you that even though he didn't necessarily have the best roster around him, when guys got on base and when they got into scoring position, he came up big in the big moments to drive in those runs. Yeah, a lot of them were because of the home runs, but it's also because he would get the single, the double in the gap or something like that, to get the guy across the plate. He was the consummate professional, and though, again... Like I say, I liked Willie Mays, and people talked about Roberto Clemente back in those days in right field. But Hank Aaron, he might not have been as flashy, but he threw to the right base all the time. He hit the cutoff, man. If he got a glove on it, he caught the ball. He was underappreciated kind of for his defensive ability too because he didn't do the basket catch or have the rifle arm, but he had a really good one. He made the right play, and he helped to give his team a chance to win on a day-in and day-out basis from his defense and from driving in the runs and everything else. And those are the little things that, again, we all know the home runs, but he did so much more. He was the consummate professional. Yep, absolutely agree. Hank Aaron uh, passes away early this morning at the age of 86. So it, we continue. This has just been a, a, just a crazy year. We talk about 2020 with all the deaths, and here, and here we are, our first month of, of 2021, that, uh, again, another iconic sports superstar uh, passes away. So... Uh, uh, very sad to hear that news today. All right, guys, uh, let's uh, transition a little bit and let's talk a little uh, Vegas Golden Knights. They are the uh, they are undefeated. They're at four and zero. Brian Benowitz. They are uh, they have the best record. They have the best uh, point differential, goal differential. You gotta love that. And the Golden Knights. Let's be honest. Anaheim and Arizona, not two uh, world beaters, uh, but. Give the Golden Knights credit. They have won and they have scored. Yeah, to go out and, and, and beat teams in consecutive nights at the NHL is a very difficult thing to do. Uh, you see it day in and day out where, where teams uh, get blown out one day. The next day, uh, they, the other team blows the other one out. It's just a very difficult league to separate, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to playing back-to-back -back nights like that. I was really impressed with the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, their last game. I think it was their most complete game. And even when they made a few errors, uh, Fleury was there to... Uh, to back them up and made some real key saves, but they were ready at the jump. Uh, the first few games, it took them really till the third period to get it going, and they've played outstanding in the third period. Uh, they're obviously in shape. I think we have the best uh, six or five man uh, defensive core uh, in the league. Uh, adding Petrangelo, he looks fantastic. Um, Martinez blocks everything. Uh, McNabb is solid. Shea Theodore stepped up with a couple goals the other night. And not to mention, he's playing exceptional on defense. Uh, they are a joy to watch. Mark Stone, his passion for the game and the fact that he's our captain now, uh, it's nice to see. Now they go on the road. Now, how much of a home ice advantage is there? I don't really know. <laughs> you get the last change, but you don't have the energy of the crowd. There will be a crowd there, and I know at least a dozen people that are heading down to Glendale <laughs> that are Vegas Golden Knights fans that just can't wait to go watch them play. Uh, and so they're going to go tonight. What's the capacity that they're letting in? I, you, Do you know, know in I, Arizona? I, I don't know. There was, uh, it's probably what they normally let in. <laughs> right? I mean, nobody goes to those games in Glendale anyway, so it's usually a, uh, uh, an advantage for the other ones when they play Jets 1.0. But uh, uh, I, I, I'm excited to see how they look tonight. I think that uh, the, the goaltender rotation is going to be fantastic. Uh, both, they look a little choppy, you know, because, you know, Leonard, Leonard's, he had shoulder surgery, so he's going to need a little help with Flurry, and Flurry's looked fantastic. But the, 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 the hockey isn't going to look spectacular for a while. A lot of these teams haven't played in 10 months or, or right. since the, uh, uh, the bubble was done. And so there was no preseason. You can't really mimic uh, game action in practice. Uh, and I think the special teams are suffering. Most teams are really struggling with the power play. Uh, and the Knights are, of course, I think they're one for 14 or 15. Is that right, Frank? Right. Yeah. Uh, but I'll take one for 14 and be 4-0 any day of the week. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and when it comes to the Golden Knights, uh, like you mentioned, Stone is really playing well. Him and Pacioretty look like they've played together forever. Yeah. People kind of forget that when they were on opposing teams, they really couldn't even stand each other yeah, on the ice. Each other. But, right. but now they look like they're best friends and, like, you know, they, you know, have Thanksgiving dinner together and they well, will winning will do Christmas that for us, especially 4-0 start. That'll do oh, that for it, it definitely <laughs> helps. 
But, uh, but the other thing that I think is a really bright spot from that last game, not only the fact that it was the most complete game they've played all season long, they got off to a good start like they did in game one, but then they gave up a couple goals. But they played each period, and they played each one of them fairly well. And the veterans were doing what you expect them to do, but some of the youngsters, Alex Tuck at his best game by far. Couple assists, had a goal there. It looks like, remember, he was a little bit injured going into the season, so we weren't sure. I think he's finding his groove. Keegan Colsar has shown that, you know, this guy deserves a spot in the NHL someplace. He's a young player who's been uh, struggling, trying to get up to the Golden Knights. He's been in the minor league team for a couple seasons. He's a big guy. Some guy thinks that, some people think that he might be the heir apparent to Ryan Reeves when Reeves steps aside or something like that, maybe even for a little bit cheaper. He's tough, he's physical, he's got a net presence, so, you know, he's performing well. You mentioned the young guys on defense like Shea Theodore, but White Cloud and even Nick Haig the last couple games have been playing very well, and Pete DeBoer has mentioned that, you know, that might have been his best combination in game three of the season of all the defensemen out there. Petrangelo is starting to feel his rhythm with the team, him and Theodore together. If they're together on the power play, it's incredible. The power play hasn't been clicking yet, but if you mix them up and you put one on one on the first division, one on the second, then you have two potential really deadly power plays. So there's a lot of positive signs, and yeah, it's tough to get up, and one advantage they have is that they're playing in a very weak division. This is not a good division, yeah. but remember, in my opinion, they're going to be battling Colorado all season long. That's the team that they want to beat. I'm curious to see how they do on the road in the next two games. I'm curious to see how they do when they do play St. Louis and Colorado. But right now they're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, and they've been doing it. Right. Yeah, Keegan Colasar has had an unusual spot. He was the 13th guy for the first two games, and then he played on the fourth line, and then he moved up to the third line. So he's moved all around, and he's done pretty well out there for a guy that's kind of a thumper. You know, he, he doesn't, he's not a, a swift guy. You're not going to look and say, oh, well, there goes uh, Riley Smith or there goes uh, uh, William Carlson up the ice. But I'll tell you what, he plays with a lot of energy. He's another guy from the peg, which is always great, and which is where Ryan Reeves is from. And it, it's just been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I don't know what happened to uh, Cody Glass. He hasn't played really since the second game. He didn't do too much in the first couple of games. Nick Waugh has looked fantastic. And that first line back together, Carlson, Marcheseau, and... Uh, um, and Riley Smith, right. they are clicking at all right. cylinders. I mean, so they're fun to watch, and, uh, you know, hopefully it continues. Uh, they probably they, they stole a game in game three, right. right? I mean, they had no business winning that game. Right. And then they, they were able to come from behind, ricochet a puck off the back, uh, which was a br brilliant play by White Cloud, who's done nothing but had brilliant plays. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, they, as long as they stay healthy, they're going to be a lot of fun all year. And look at this gold jersey, for crying out loud. I, and I like the gold jersey. It looks great. I like it. And Numchuk has Flurry looks fantastic, doesn't he? He does. And uh, they have uh, have have split so far, the 50%. Every other game, we've seen Leonard and Flurry. So uh, hopefully that will continue. It I, makes I believe a lot of sense. Will. We know it's early in the season. But again, you know, one goaltender has been just as good as the other as well, too, which is great to see. And this is exactly what you want. You got two all-star, uh, you know, you know, goaltenders on, on, on your roster. Uh, utilize them. If they're both coming through, this is great. Yeah, then there will be no debate. The schedule is very intense. It's very intense. You're playing at best just every other night, sometimes three and four nights. It is an insane schedule. You need to have two healthy goaltenders, and we have yeah. two very – we got two elite goaltenders on our team, so should be a ton of fun. And uh, it's hard to even watch hockey right now because it's just coming at you so fast, so right. many games every night. So and, and the other thing about the goaltending tandem, too, is it, it, what makes it even more impressive to me is the fact that there's such different types of goalies. It's almost like the team that they're playing, even though they're back-to-back, -back, they have to have kind of a different game plan or something going into it because Leonard is so positional and he's so big and he's just always in the right position. Then the next night you have Fleury in there and all of a sudden he might not always be in the right position, but he's so athletic and he's so dynamic and he's such a good puck handler that you have to look at him as also a potential offensive type of player out there. So it's like you're preparing a different game plan depending on which goalie it is if you're the other team. So even though you're playing the same team, in some ways you're not because so much starts from the crease and then you go out with the offensive uh, rush in that that you're trying to do. So... 3,500 fans are going to be allowed into the game tonight in Arizona. Yeah. I want, to, I want to ask you a question here because not only are you a season ticket holder with the Golden Knights, but obviously in this industry, the hotel and casino industry uh, here, fans want to get back to 
T-Mobile Arena. You want to get back to T-Mobile Arena. And we are seeing uh, other places allow fans back in. We went through this discussion with the Raiders where other NFL teams were allowed. And Mark Davis just came out and said early on, boom, we're not going to allow it. We had John Sassendi, the executive director of the Las Vegas Bowl, on early on. They canceled the Las Vegas Bowl. People still come to Las Vegas. As you know better than anybody, your casino here is, is, is thriving. You guys are doing it the right way. You guys are you know, taking care of your uh, hotel occupancy, your capacity, spacing everything out. Why can't we have fans at T-Mobile Arena? And, again, I think your opinion means a lot here for those reasons I just said. Do you think it is safe to get back to the live sporting events, specifically the Golden Knights at T-Mobile Arena? Well, it's not real relevant what I think because the governor's not going to allow I it at this time. I understand. So, uh, We're having just a I, I would say, I would discussion. Say you have to watch the numbers. The numbers in Nevada have come down over the last few weeks. Hopefully that trend continues. Uh, he's got the pause set until uh, uh, the 15th of uh, February. Yeah. Hopefully there's a road trip on there somewhere right around that time uh, that we're able to speed up our vaccination process here in Nevada. Nevada has not done well in the vaccination process. Right. Uh, we're, we're currently 50th out of 50 states. So we like to, education, we, huh? Yeah, we need to step that up. And so that there could be a thing, and maybe there's a thing where you need to have a vaccine to get in there, at least one dose. You know, I, I don't know what the, what the protocol will be once, once we restart that. But right now, you know, the pauses seem to have worked in Nevada. Uh, we had a little bit of a jump up, uh, with, which with the whole country and the whole world saw with the holidays. Uh, but now we've settled back down, and hopefully that trend continues because nobody wants to get to a game more than I do. I see... <laughs> 42 games at, or 41 games at home and, and uh, you know the, I go to the preseason games I go, go on the road I too. go on the road yeah. yep. so uh, it, it's unusual for me not to be at a hockey game but I will wait until it's uh, the, until it's ready to go I don't think right now personally fans should be allowed in the game okay. uh, with where we stand in America there's still 200,000 people a day basically getting COVID and there's 4,000 people a day dying so uh, to me Let's just let's just wait. Let's get this vaccine uh, figured out. Let's get things going, and uh, hopefully, you know, middle of February, maybe into March, we're looking a little better, and we can introduce six, seven thousand people to the game. You talk to obviously a lot of Golden Knights fans and fellow season ticket holders. How do they feel? They feel the same way. Personally, I would go tomorrow. Right. If they want me to take a test going in. Yeah. For 20 minutes stay and waiting to go up, in. Be stay smart, masked right. up. Put me in something. Put yeah. me in a, a hazmat. I go. But. Right now, I understand the ability of, of what we're doing, and I understand where we stand, and, and I think most Vegas Golden Knights fans would love to be there. But right now, it's just, hey, let's, let's get through this uh, uh, situation that we're in. We're, we're, close to, we're closing in on the end of this pandemic. Let's, let's finish it and then go enjoy ourselves. Yeah, and the one thing, too, I mean, I know everybody's chomping at the bit, and everybody wants to get back to the games, whether it's the football or baseball or basketball, and certainly here with the Golden Knights fans, we know what a rabid fan base they have. But the one thing I don't think anybody wants is to get back in now and then have it all go awry and have to shut it all down again. Once you get back in, you want to build it up from 25% to 50 to 75 to full buildings again. You don't want to take a step back. So right now I think discretion maybe is the better part of valor. Uh, there are some places that have it. It's up to the different states and the governors in different places out there. Sisolak is trying to do what he thinks is right. I know a lot of people can't stand what he's doing. Other people think he's doing the right thing. But the one thing I do think that people need to remember is we need to keep on doing what we're supposed to do, wear your mask, do the other stuff, do the proper protocols on that, because you don't want to open it up and then have to shut it down again. That would be disastrous. Right. No doubt about it. Golden Knights in action tonight in Arizona. There will be fans, like I said, about 3,500. And I'd probably say the under over 1,200 Golden Knights fans. What do you think? I'd say over. You take the over. I'd say well north of 2,000 fans will be <laughs> Vegas Golden Knight fans. Yes, I do. I mean, come on. They have to have at least probably seven or eight or probably 9,000 season ticket holders of Coyotes, right? I, but you I, have to remember, I, too, the tickets are more expensive I, down there I because they've upped the prices. So I even would if, say 9,000 is high. You think, no. Really? Yeah. For in, in Glendale, they don't have. They don't get that kind of crap. <laughs> and even if they do, are they going to pay? Those guys out of there. Are yeah. they going to pay the inflated prices for these games that much more than their normal ticket? Remember, normally when you go down to Arizona, because because we talked about it yesterday, yeah. there's people that go down there and the tickets are like 20 bucks. They start at like 127 bucks or something like that for this. So you know there is a big jack up in the ticket prices as well. Even some Coyote fans might go, well, why are we going to pay that much when right. we go watch our team lose? Yeah. <laughs>
I'll tell you what, the Coyotes do have a fantastic goaltender in, in, in Darcy Kemper. Uh, and Ronta's and, not and a bad backup. Yeah, and who's that guy number eight for them? Schmaltz? Schmaltz, is that his name? Yeah. yeah he I looked mean, fantastic yeah, out I mean, there. He's he good. Clayton Keller's a good young player. They have some talent, but they do have a tough time there putting it in the net. And they, they need Kessel to be the leader that they signed him to be. Yeah, they're, well, they're captain... Uh, 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 Oliver something. Ekman Larson, Larson, yeah. Larson is so, out. So, so you guys uh, want me to book some tickets now? We can go section 104 right now, row P for 121 bucks a pop. Well, that's, Should that's, I book three? That's less than any Vegas Golden Knights game, so you know Vegas Golden Knights fans are going down there. E exactly. Okay, you want to be a little bit uh, to, to center ice? Uh, probably get us in there for about 135. You okay. in? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish I could, but I can't go this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Nupchuk, book three. Book, book four. You got Nupchuk's already dressed, so yeah. he just gets straight in the car, get on the plane, and go. I, I know I saw a lot of the packages that you do, you have to book them in, in fours. So, you know, because there were some people oh, with we'll three, and it's right. like, well, so. Yeah, we'll do four. Yeah. All right. I, um, See, between Nupchuk you know and Double B, I know that he'll, he'll fit us for – to wear jerseys into the game. I got, I mean, this I, guy's got a closet full of them. I got jerseys up. Uh, you know, I'm going to say, I got, I got enough jerseys in my office right now ready to go. <laughs> exactly. Go. Good deal. My, my <laughs> fridge is full of the beverages that I like to consume, and my big screen's working, so uh, you Frank, know what? Frank's out. We I'm got, fine. we got to find a fourth. I'm, get, I'm getting the gold. I'm getting the red. I, I haven't decided exactly who yet. I think... Yeah. I, I haven't decided who yet. I think the gold's got to be stolen. See, Frank I mean, and I, we're, we're barred from wearing Golden Knights gear to the games. You know, they won't let us. We have to go, you know, neutral. And you always give me a bad time I, when I show up here to click and you've got the, the, the whole crew dressed and I feel out of place. You've got socks you can wear. You know, we got all tons of those. That's true. You can, you can yeah. be subtle. Yeah, I, I, you'll give me some Winnipeg socks too. I, I, you I, got, got, those. I got those. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I, I wore them last night when the Jets uh, throttled uh, Ottawa that. last night. All right. All right, guys. We come back. We start talking football, AFC, NFC Championship game. Mike Pritchard, the former wide receiver, he is going to join us as we start breaking it down for you. We are live at the Cosmopolitan on a football Friday. <laughs> Check out his big stethoscope. Or not. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. Don't forget, get the William Hill mobile app. It is so easy to use, and you can get yourself free money as well. That's right. How do you do that? Well, first of all, if you're going to open up a new account, just do that on your phone, download it on your phone, and then get over here to the Cosmopolitan or any of the great William Hill Sportsbook properties. Deposit at least $50 into a brand new account, and guess what? They will match it with an additional 50. That's right, free money to play with. Deposit 50, play with 100. Doesn't matter if you're a local, you're a tourist, wherever you are at, you can cash in anytime you cash in or can't cash out anytime you want. It is the William Hill mobile app. Bet where you watch the games. You got the in-game wagering options and everything else is there at your disposal, right there at your fingertips. It is the William Hill mobile app. Use that promo code TC50. That's right. That's the promo code to get the free $50 in a brand new account. Promo code TC50. Use that and uh, get playing. And no better time than now because we've got championship weekend. We've got AFC, NFC championship games on Sunday. We'll be breaking all that down for you. Plus, we've got college basketball. We've got the NHL, NBA, very, very busy sports weekend, and one of the, uh, my favorite weekends. I keep saying that the last three weekends. I love the wild card weekend. I love the divisional round. But this week, guys, we've, you know, it's championship time. And when you look at what we have in, in front of us, we've got arguably the top four quarterbacks in the NFL, three of them surefire Hall of Famers in Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and then Josh Allen has uh, been fantastic this year. So... I, I think four you're best right. quarterbacks are playing this weekend. I think you're right, TC. We got the four teams that we really wanted to see. Uh, there could have been an argument for the Saints, but uh, you know, Drew Brees was terrible last week, so it's it's kind of the, they were they were just kind of buying time, I think, hmm. when it came down to it. But you got you got just great matchups, and then you've got the mystery. You, you don't know how Mahomes is going to be. Hmm. You know, you, he certainly looked like he was on a different planet when they hit him the, last week. So, uh, uh, is he going to play? Probably. Yeah. Will he be effective? Hmm. Maybe. His head might not be great. His toe might not be great. So uh, the Bills have an exceptional football team, so uh, don't fall asleep on them. Well, and, you know, you mentioned the fact, too, about the quarterbacks. You, you Right now you kind of have the question, which young gun is going to be taken on which grizzly old veteran in the Super Bowl? Right. That's what we're, we're looking at, yeah. Now, uh, when you look at both of these matchups, they're very intriguing. And then from a, a betting perspective, both are right around a field goal. Uh, the Packers opened at... At three and a half, it went up to four. 
It got bet down to three. And then uh, late last night, the line went back to three and a half. Green Bay is favored. And then the Chiefs-Bills game pretty much has stayed right at three. As we look at the board here right now inside the Cosmopolitan Sportsbook, the Chiefs are a three-point favorite. But I see the juice at minus 120, which kind of tells me this line could get to three and a half here. And uh, there's been plenty of, of two-way money that we've heard so far. If that gets up to three and a half, I think you're going to see a lot more Buffalo Bills money coming in. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Uh, it's it's sitting on minus 120 right now, and you could get the Bills at even at plus three. Uh, I, I think it will hit three and a half for a, a moment and then get driven right back down. All right. Join us now, our good friend Mike Pritchard. Of course, uh, Pritch does a fantastic job uh, on the radio as well. Uh, just concluded uh, his his show over at VEASAN. He's on from uh, 12 to 2. The former wide receiver and, of course, the Las Vegas native and radio colleague, Mike Pritchard. What is going on, my man? Hey, nothing much other than uh, NFL Conference Championship Weekend, UFC 257. Other than that, fellas, nothing. That's it, man. <laughs> Get the popcorn ready, man. We're ready to go. <laughs> no yes, doubt. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> all right, Pritch, uh, let's start talking about these games. First of all, when I can't remember the last time that we've had this type of, of quarterback representation in Championship Weekend here. We got Tom Brady, we got Aaron Rodgers, we got Patrick Mahomes, which is definitely uh, the future. Still a young quarterback, but the accomplishments that he's made already, arguably, you can say that you've got basically three uh, future Hall of Famers in uh, playing this weekend. And then Josh Allen has had a fantastic season himself, much different than what we've seen in the past two seasons. Uh, just talk about the quarterback play that we expect to see this weekend. Oh, it's um, it's off the charts, really. I mean, uh, to just even fathom what Tom Brady has accomplished uh, this year is incredible. And then Aaron Rodgers, too, MVP season, but back-to-back NFC Conference Championship game. Josh Allen, his evolution has been phenomenal. And then probably the best of them all, Patrick Mahomes, uh, the unicorn. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better than this. I mean, I even though Tom Brady was a fifth seed, to still see him in a conference championship game as football fans, that's certainly what we want to see. Uh, and looking forward to these matchups for sure. I mean, it takes me back to, I don't know, Troy Aikman and Steve Young or, or Joe Montana and, you know, whoever he faced against, uh, whether it's Jim Kelly and all these Hall of Famers out there uh, going at it. So we, we have that this weekend for sure. And we usually don't. There's usually a quarterback or two that uh, that gets to this point that, you know, you, you always kind of wonder and worry about. But you literally can make a case for all four teams, and it's all going to start with a conversation starting the quarterback. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, you got exceptional leadership at the quarterback position. And uh, uh, Allen has improved from year one to two to now. It's unbelievable to see where he's gone. And, uh, you know, don't, don't fall asleep on him. He could beat you with your feet just as well as anybody. And now Mahomes might be a little immobile back there. Right. So that's going to be just a great game. And, I mean, Tom Brady's, what is he, 40, 43? 43, yeah. 43 years yeah. old with a new system. Uh, they got it clicking there. Uh, and they took out the Saints in, in the Dome and uh, playing probably the team that's playing best of all, and that's the Green Bay Packers. Right. You know, Pritch, you can make the argument here for all four of these teams that there is a very cool story to go with this. And you, you go with the Packers saying, okay, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he wants to avenge that uh, embarrassing defeat that the Buccaneers gave to him back on uh, in October where they lost 38 to 10. Aaron Rodgers hasn't, you know, been to a Super Bowl. He won that one in, in, in 2010, came close a, a couple other times. Then of course, you know, you got the Tom Brady factor. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, have been basically void of, uh, you know, championships for the most part of the, you know, the the past 18 years or so. And then over in the AFC, we all know the story about Buffalo uh, haven't really been relevant you know, for a while. We've seen them get better and better the last couple seasons. But then if Buffalo does get to the Super Bowl, you're a little fearful that they could be 0 for 5 because they're 0 for 4 right now. And then, of course, there's the defending uh, champ situation where people are talking about this Kansas City Chiefs team potentially being a dynasty. Of those four stories, which one of those intrigues you the most or you feel that, okay, uh, this is this is the path to the Super Bowl? Well, you know, Patrick Mahomes is so young. Uh, in his three years as a starter, he's been to three AFC championship games. So that tells you uh, where he's projected, right? Uh, it's incredible the path that that man's on. You know, Aaron Rodgers, everybody knows he's probably the best quarterback in the league 
Uh, and, okay, to see the Green Bay Packers back in this situation, not a surprise there. But I, I think the biggest one, even, even though Josh Allen has had the year that he's had, the biggest surprise to me is Tom Brady in one year goes into a strange locker room, transforms that locker room, and like what you just said, takes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers back to the NFC Championship game, which they haven't been back to since 2002. I, I think that's remarkable. I was in Denver when I saw Peyton Manning, but it took him four, four years, though, uh, to get to that Super Bowl, and actually they got to one that they got the doors blown off. But, but, but Peyton Manning, to do what he did, to see that firsthand, but then to see Tom Brady uh, perhaps uh, have a chance to do it again if he gets to the Super Bowl, that, that's remarkable to me. All right, let's look at this Green Bay-Tampa Bay game. Again, we mentioned the line is Green Bay 3.5, your total 51.5. Uh, weather could be a factor. It's going to be cold, 25 degrees, uh, a chance, about 40% uh, chance of uh, snow showers in this game. When we uh, handicap this uh, game, uh, Pritch, like I said, we look at the quarterbacks, we look at the offenses, but uh, you know the defense uh, of Tampa Bay, pretty stout, especially in the front seven. Uh, do you believe that Rodgers can have some success maybe against his secondary, and how do you handicap this game? Well, Rodgers uh, needs a running game. I mean, if you look at the numbers from a pass-to-run ratio, uh, Green Bay is closer to 50-50 than any other team. Uh, so they need to get the running game going, and they need to get it going without a fullback. Now, you're going up against a 3-4 defense. Vita Bay is back. Uh, we'll see if he's activated for the game or not. But you have a true nose castle over the center, and that can complicate things without a fullback. Uh, and the speed that Tampa Bay defense has at linebacker uh, is something that you're going to have to deal with. I still think Green Bay could win it from a drop-back standpoint. Like, if Aaron Rodgers has to drop back and throw the ball, I still think they can win it. But to me, for it to be easier for them, they got to get the running game going and Tampa Bay knows that. So Tampa Bay, in my opinion, has a chance as a live dog here. Fritz, when it comes to the, this particular game, we all know that they played earlier on in the season. Do you take anything out of that game, put any stock into it, or was that so long ago and teams are different health-wise and everything else that that really doesn't mean that much? We know that in that game Tampa Bay blitzed a lot. Do you expect that again in this one? Well, you know, Frank, um, we had uh, Warren Moon on the show today, and I asked him a similar question. I what do you? What do you? What is harder to adjust to? Is it, is it the pass rush or is it disguising coverages? And we saw a little bit of both from Tampa Bay in that first matchup, and, and we saw Aaron Rodgers not have an answer for it. In, in fact, he threw two picks. I, I think it'll be different this time around because Tampa Bay uh, will probably try to stop the run first and foremost, and then adjust after that. Uh, so to me, I mean, Green Bay, they're, they're going to have to have some success early on or they're playing into the hands of Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, who's going to throw the ball pretty much uh, the majority of the time out there. You know, the Packer defense is a little bit underrated too, guys. I mean, this team is, is ranked eighth, and they seem to step up when they need to step up, and really not with many household names. I mean, you look at the Tampa Bay defense, you can make it, you got Dominican Sue, and then you've got these, these other guys, Levante, David, and company. I mean, they are really, you know, turning up a notch. And there, there's some names there. But Green Bay, I mean, it's hard for the casual fan maybe to name two or three guys from this defense, but... They are getting the job done, Pritch. Can they slow down Tom Brady? Can they confuse him? Uh, they won't confuse him. They won't confuse him. But can Smith get some right. pressure off the edge? Maybe. Um, Amos has been a good safety for them, too. He was used to be with Chicago. Sorry, Frank. <laughs> every, time I'm on, every time I'm on your show, it's like a Chicago Bear or somebody's doing something special for somebody's team. Some of the best players in the league are former Bears. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, Tom Brady won't. You know, and, and no Antonio Brown, I get it, but yet you still got Gronk. You got Mike Evans. You got Godwin. I mean, you got Scotty Miller. He's got, he's got more than he's ever had in Tampa at the skill position uh, situation out there. So, it's Tom Brady, man. I, 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 I think I'm going to back the buck because I just can't bet against Tom Brady, even though it's Aaron Rodgers on the other side. Man, Aaron Rodgers on the other side. The Green Bay Packers have just been rolling the best offense in football, averaging 31 points a game. They've won seven in a row, nine of their last ten, 11 and six against the number. And they're at home, and they're only laying a few goals. So for me, I look at that, and I'm going, oh, plus we got the revenge factor. 
it's kind of hard to pass up the Green Bay Packers when you, when you look at it like that. But I guess, you know, again, we're in the situation when you have two three-point lines in both these games, you legitimately can make an argument for all four teams. Yeah, you can. I mean, think about what Tom Brady, what's motivating him. Mm-hmm. You know, another Super Bowl, a chance to um, not only do something Peyton Manning didn't do, which is Peyton Manning's won a Super Bowl with two different franchises, but – what about winning a Super Bowl with two different franchises and then, oh, by the way, hosting uh, in your home stadium? Uh, and so, you know, to me, TC, it's all about those type of levels with players like Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, so that's, we should get a great game, by the way. Yes, Mike Pritchard joins us, the former wide receiver and uh, the host Raider Nation Radio as well as on VEASAN. All right, Buffalo, Kansas City. This is also a rematch. This was one of those quirky Tuesday night games, if you remember, guys. Uh, it took place uh, the same weekend, week number six, but this one was on Tuesday, October 20th, where the Chiefs won 26-17. to Kansas City actually handled Buffalo pre- pretty easily. They ran for 245 yards out, gained Buffalo 466-206. to Mahomes, he was on, on target that night. He was 21 for 26, 225 yards. But on the flip side, Josh Allen was not real effective. Uh, 14 for 27, only 122 yards. There was only one sack in this game. And uh, it was kind of a strange game, but this is where the Chiefs were. I mean, they, they, they won games. They haven't won by by more than a touchdown in, in, their, in their last nine victories. Uh, this is a game, like we, like we said, Pritch, you can kind of make a, a case for both sides here. But for me, when you look at all the weapons that Kansas City has offensively, can the Buffalo defense stop them or at least slow them down? Well, slow them down. I, I think uh, that would be the, uh, the mission at hand because uh, you can't stop Kansas City. They're just too good. Yeah. That, that first game was interesting because Buffalo's defense, they played predominantly nickel. Uh, and they gave Kansas City the rushing uh, game, the, the running uh, attack there, um, which was surprising to me because you don't, you don't want to just give an offense like that anything. And so I expect Leslie Frazier to be different this time around. But then on the other side, Josh Allen is completely different than he was in that first game. So, uh, you know, whether he's going to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, I doubt it. But he will make plenty of plays out there. It's up to the Buffalo defense. So, like you said, TC, can you slow him down enough uh, to keep your offense in it and have a chance. Mike, one of the things that um, maybe some people overlook here and there, but we've been talking about these teams, and certainly Tom Brady, when you think of him, people always thought of Bill Belichick on the sideline. Do you see any advantage for any of the teams going into this from the sideline, guys? Because Arian's pretty good. We know Andy Reid's pretty good. I mean, you know, the coaches and the game plans could decide when all is said and done what teams are playing in two weeks. Yeah, these are all great coaches. Um, like, to me, Frank, I think it's more about who would, who would make the, the mistake. Like, who's more prone to make the coaching error or, or mismanage the situation? Because uh, we saw that from Stefanski uh, in their game, Cleveland versus uh, Kansas City. He should have challenged the play. He didn't manage the clock that well at times. And, and so stuff like that. But I, I think LaFleur, you know, he's so young and he's so, he's so fiery. Uh, that, that, you know, if Green Bay has a coaching mistake, that, that could be detrimental. I don't think Bruce Arians will. Uh, I don't think Amy Reid will. And then McDermott, uh, b- between McDermott and LaFleur, uh, those are the two coaches that I think are probably the most prone to some type of mistake in, in these big games. All right, so the big talk, obviously, has been Patrick Mahomes' injury, what we saw last week. There were a lot of Chiefs fans that uh, took a deep breath, but uh, Chad Hitty came in and, and, and got the job done, and the Chiefs rose to the occasion to get to this AFC Championship game. Andy Reid said Patrick Mahomes has had no effects of the neck or the toe injury. And again, when you look at that concussion situation last week, it was more like a chokehold, a takedown. Sounds like he's been responding. He had to go through the five steps of concussion protocol. Uh, basically, he's, uh, he's passed four of them, so it looks like he will play. What I want to talk with you about, though, Fritch, is this, this turf toe. We talked to Steve Berline earlier in the week. He said it was the most difficult injury that he ever had to play with. He would just cringe that he would have to get shot up before every game. And I think he said there was one season where he had to go through this like nine weeks in a row. Have you ever played with that type of injury? And if you have, describe that, what it's like to play, especially the skill position. Oh, wow. It's, um, 
it's a weirder feeling, but it's also pain, painful because as a receiver, I mean, you're cutting, you're running, uh, you're jumping, uh, all of this stuff. So uh, they, they help you by putting a, a steel plate in your shoe to keep your toes straight, first of all. And then they do a tape job on it to keep it stable because basically what a sprain or a turf toe is, is, you know, you've torn some ligaments in that area, that joint. And, and so it, it's, it's a weird feeling, but very, very painful because of blood flow. So I understand getting a shot. A lot of guys have done that. Uh, it's, not, it's not the easiest thing to play with, but you can get through it with the aid of medicine. And I fully expect uh, Patrick Mahomes to have that shot to help him out in the game. So, Pritch, g- give us your synopsis here of Patrick Mahomes, what you saw with him before the concussion. And, again, biggest game of the year with his turf toe. Do you think he's going to be impacted? And if so, how? Well, he's not 100%, um, but, you know, really what quarterback is or what player is at this point, I, I think, it's, you know, when you, have, when you have the opportunity to go back to the Super Bowl and you're a competitor like Patrick Mahomes, you overcome it. We've, we've always seen great athletes or legends overcome uh, situations, whether it's injury, whether it's uh, uh, personal pain or, or, or some, some adversity at some, at some point. You know, the great ones just find a way to overcome that. And so for me, Patrick Mahomes is just going to have to do that. And he's got a great supporting cast to help him. Uh, we'll see if he gets it done, though, because he's got an upcomer in Josh Allen. There you go. All right, Chiefs, Bills, who you got, man? I got the Chiefs. I, I'm, I'm biased, though, because Eric's a great friend of mine, the enemy to offense yep. coordinator. He's a good friend, so I'm biased. I, I, would love, I would love to see Patrick Mahomes back in the Super Bowl again. Uh, but then on the other side, uh, I'm going to go Tampa. I think Tom Brady, that story is just too juicy, man, uh, <laughs> to not pass up to see him back in another Super Bowl. Pritch is calling Tampa Bay, Kansas City. Wow. All right. We'll see what happens, man. All right, my man, we appreciate the time as always. Uh, keep up the great work, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again uh, before the Super Bowl here. We'll have two weeks to hype it up. Yeah, sounds good, fellas. You guys enjoy the game, and uh, we'll look forward to it. You got it, brother. All right, Mike Pritchard, there he is. Las Vegas native, former wide receiver, uh, one of our, our radio colleagues as well, too. Did a lot of shows with Pritch, uh, you know, back uh, back in the day, and uh, he's doing a great, great stuff with Raider Nation Radio here locally as well as uh, nationally on VEASAN as well, too. And a uh, really good guy. And a great guy. Oh, and he's a great follow on Twitter, at Mike Pritchard. Do that. But just a, a great guy. And, a, again, another one of uh, our, our great guests that have at your disposal that's actually been in these type of games. You can uh, dive into their mindset a little bit. Yeah, it's great to hear from Pritch because he brings a perspective, a player's perspective on the games. He breaks down every position, not yeah. just the wide receiver right. position. Uh, he's a, he's a, a scholar of the game, and yeah. it's good to hear his, his point of view. And yet he's still a fan. He wants yeah. to see Brady because of the story. He said it was juicy, and uh, it's nice to see, and it's, uh, it's good to have people passionate about this weekend. Do you want me to give it to you from a coach's perspective? The turnover ratio. You got to look at the turnover ratio. Yes, and that's what, that's why they're there. <laughs> because the, the the Saints turned the ball over. I don't know a thousand times in that game. All right, that's a shout out to our good friend Jim Fossil, <laughs> the head coach. He, he loves the turnover ratio. That's right. And the duck offense. The duck. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you about the duck. You tell me. Tell you about some <laughs> UFC 257, man. We're looking forward to it. My man Matthew Holt is in the house. We're going to be breaking down the card as well as more of the championship weekend in the nfl we've got best bets coming your way or i should say best bet this week picking our best so don't you dare go anywhere we're live at the cosmopolitan it's a football friday tc martin show coast to coast border to border